live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. What an opening. Jared outdoing himself. That was beautiful. The job is done. Job, job is done for the done Raiders, and it ago. appears for Jerome Boger's officiating crew. Yeah, I think the job is be. done for a lot of people. The job should have been done for him in the regular season. <laughs> exactly. That was not good. Good job, Jared. That was wonderful. Beautiful. Are you sad? You seem this is a very emotional opening. It was very it was very emotional. I thought he did a great job on it. Although the, the Bengals color radio guy, very excited. Oh there. yeah, yeah. He's excited. Well, should be. Moving on. I'm surprised he didn't cuss. Sounded like he was ready to. <laughs> Impressive restraints. I mean, if you were the Bengals color guy for 30 years, yeah, you've exactly. basically been like, and Marvin Lewis takes a knee going into halftime. <laughs> the first bite. Uh, the first bite today is brought to you by a water bottle. Do the Raiders deserve a moral victory for the season? Now, how can we give out moral victories to the Raiders if we don't give them out to our friends over at UNLV? Don't really give them out in the football team for the moral victory. Well, the football, the Raiders actually accomplished something. Uh, they did. They went to the playoffs. Oh, they, the job is done. They made a the goal. Job is done before the season, and they accomplished it. Yeah. UNLV football didn't accomplish anything. They uh, made a goal to win a game. Uh, I don't think that was ever a goal. <laughs> I mean, not I mean, out it loud. should be. <laughs> the first thing I saw here was do the Raiders. I re, I misread it. I thought for the game, um, for the season, ten wins made the playoffs. All the drama, all the nonsense that happened with that team. Um, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to give them more of it. You are for the season. For the I thought season. it said. For the, I thought it said for the game. It said for the season. For the season. Here's the water bottle that got me. Here's what's a little bit. I don't know. Here's what's a little bit throws me off from giving them a moral victory for the season. They just lost a winnable playoff game. Like they weren't overmatched by the Cincinnati Bengals. That was not a game where you walk away saying, yep, Cincinnati, that team is just so much better than Vegas. The Raiders didn't have a chance. They're just happy to be Raiders could have won that game. Sure. And that makes it a little bit harder to proclaim moral victory when you could have won a playoff game. You're a few plays away from winning a playoff game. And so did they accomplish their goal of making the playoffs? Yes. I told you last week, the job is done. (laughs) And did you? Did you really tell us? I that? told you that last week. I forget that. Uh, so yes, the moral victory exists. I'd say it's more than a moral victory. I'd say it's a real victory because they made the playoffs. They the Raiders never at any point did the Raiders state we're going to win the Super Bowl. They didn't even uh, state no. they're going. They didn't even they didn't state, say they're going to win a playoff. Yeah, game. didn't even say that. They just said this is a playoff caliber team. This is a team that should make the playoffs. Derek Carr, he was pumped to make his playoff debut. They did all that. I think it's more than a moral victory. I think that's a real victory on the season. Now, going into the future, you want to do more than that. But for 2021 slash two, good job. Season success. Job was done a week ago. Everything else was just icing on the cake. So they accomplished the same thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If they, I don't even if know if, they the, could say I that know if the, the Steelers last... stated they wanted to make the yeah. playoffs. They Dude, were, I they think they were shocked. For the last 20 years, they'd be so much better as an organization. If the Raiders just did what the Steelers did every year for the last two decades. Winning they'd be, record. They'd be in a great spot. They'd have two Super Bowls. We'd, yeah. we'd be like, oh, that's a good organization. Instead, they're like the exact opposite of the Steelers every year for the last two decades. It's basically it. All right. Can we talk about the refs? How the hell do they have that bad of a game? How? How do they have that bad of a game? Now, Jerome Boger's 
crew, I think you earn points to you earn points. You're all it's like college basketball. You're evaluated after each game, and then supposedly the ones who are evaluated get the NCAA tournament, and then you're evaluated through the first few rounds, and the best ones go to the Final Four and all of that. I think it's the same thing here. Where Boger's crew well, according to was it his the announcers? The it wasn't game. his crew. That right, was right. that it was, was a, just a bunch of different guys. guys that were like you know working for the first time right together. together right. It wasn't these guys worked the entire year together. Right. It was hey, uh, you guys. Joe the, was good at the linesman. So right, Joe, you're the best linesman. You're gonna you're gonna get the playoff game. How are they that bad? Horrible. Like because okay, we had multiple <laughs> bad calls here. The one I I found it to be funny that they missed back to back calls on that one Raiders drive where Brian Edwards caught it and they said nope incomplete right. and then it got overturned. And then they said Hunter Renfro caught it. Nope, incomplete when they overturned it. I thought that was funny. Um, I thought the Derek Carr roughing the passer on the final drive was funny because that was very soccer player-esque. Derek Carr or James Harden-esque where you snap your head back to get a call. Yeah. thought that was funny. But I can kind of understand all of those calls being eh, wrong or questionable, right? Those are Those are understandable. The two things that are not. First off. The play where they granted the Raiders a timeout. Jamar Chase has like a 25-yard mm-hmm. catch down the sideline. The Raiders had 12 players on the field when the ball was right. snapped. And I think it was Max Crosby roughed Joe Burrow. We're talking about a 40-yard play, right, for the Bengals. And afterwards, the refs come back and they huddle for like 45 seconds. They say, you know what? Timeout, Raiders. <laughs> Nobody signaled it before the play. Oh, I like, thought Bisacci was. I no, think no, they no. replayed it. Bisacci the Raiders was, were. Yeah, the, the Raiders, Raiders were. The Raiders were si- But not a timeout. single referee acknowledged it. And that's the thing. You can call timeout all you want. The referees have to see it and acknowledge it. That's true. It. They just went back and decided, you know what? I think we should give them a timeout. Even though not a single person on the on the officiating staff signaled timeout well, before the play. And I'd love to know who the official was standing right next to Bisacci. Because Bisacci was signaling <laughs> it. But was he not speaking? I don't know. Because if he's not well, screaming timeout as he's signaling, I mean, they showed the replay. He was signaling over and over and over and over, but you should also be screaming because the guy's like two feet from you. Yeah. Well, remember, these are, this is a whole new group of uh, referees together. <laughs> so maybe Rich, maybe that guy normally works NFC games, and he just kept going, Dave, 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 I'm Bob. <laughs> and then obviously the erroneous whistle on the Bengals' touchdown. The worst part of that play is that no matter what the referees ruled after it was over, somebody was getting screwed. Somebody was getting screwed after that. The Raiders end up getting screwed because, by rule, the whistle being blown during the play means it should have been a dead play. Yeah, should have replayed it. Replay third down. But had they even had they ruled correctly in favor of the Raiders in that scenario, the Bengals would have gotten absolutely yeah. screwed because the ref blew the whistle before Joe yeah. Burrow was out Throws of bounds. A touchdown. And he threw a touchdown. Yeah. Like... No matter what happened, no matter what they determined, somebody was getting screwed. I love the fact that New York, uh, New York's response was, well, we talked to them, and they believe the whistle came after the catch, so we're <laughs> going to support them. In other words, we're going to support our guys who we know absolutely screwed up, and this was a horrible, horrible explanation or call, but we, for whatever reason, don't want to ever put it out there that we might think our guys are bad. When it no doubt came before the pass absolutely. was caught. Absolutely. Before now, it was caught. I think it was in the air. Okay. Now, all of that being said, the refs totally screwed that. I think spirit of the game, they the, the right decision was made. 
I do not believe the Raiders quit because they heard a whistle. I believe Trayvon Merritt yeah. quit because he got burned for a touchdown right. in the back of the end yeah. zone. Like on the television broadcast, the whistle is blown while the ball is in the air, but the ball is already past the goal line. The ball is like we're talking yeah. half a second from being caught. Trayvon Merrick did not quit because he heard the whistle. Trayvon Merrick quit because, oh, the wide receiver got open at the last second to make a play. Like, I do not believe the whistle impacted the play at all, but the refs also totally screwed that up. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the hard part. And the Raiders are absolutely gonna say now, Max Crosby, uh, I think you know, I don't think he acknowledged it as much as everyone else. He said, you know, I respect the crew, you gotta keep playing. Because someone asked him, Did you stop? Um I don't believe so either. I think when you're running like you are Trayvon Moore, I don't even know in that instance how much you're hearing the whistle because he, like you, the you're very continuing next, to play. I think it was the very next drive when the Raiders were driving down the field. They blew a whistle to blow a play dead and nobody could hear it. Right. Like the right. players kept playing right. through a, a whistle. And you're in the end zone blown. with a lot of loud people. I don't even know if he heard well, it. Maybe it's quiet because the Bengals are on offense. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't believe that impacted the play. I believe if the refs actually competently do their job and don't blow the whistle, the Bengals score a touchdown yes. on that play. I think no matter what, no, I think the, the play plays out. And the other thing is about him stepping out of it. He did not step out of bounds. That was another erroneous uh, remark that, oh, he stepped out of bounds. It wasn't even close. <laughs> no, it wasn't even close. His no. leg was completely up in the air. It wasn't even close <laughs> on, on that play. And then they're discussing whether he stepped out of bounds. It's like, and the guy was f- a foot in front of him. I mean, the official was watching the entire time. <laughs> so bad. So, you have just one of the worst refereed games I think you're ever going to see. Like, hands down, just some of the dumbest mistakes you'll see from a referee crew. And it's it's incredible. It's incredible that that actually happened. And then for them to come out after the game and be like, well, the whistle happened after he caught it. Well, yeah, New York. That didn't happen either. Yeah. Like, uh, no, that didn't happen. And I will say one thing, by the way. I think the erroneous whistle might have actually aided the Raiders a little bit. Because if they replay third down and the Bengals don't score a touchdown on that play, the Raiders have less time on the clock to go down and score before halftime. Because the Raiders got the ball back and went down and scored a touchdown. If, you know, if, listen, the Raiders, the Raiders could have had an interception and run it back for a touchdown right. too. Nobody knows. But if the Bengals pick up that third and four without scoring a touchdown, they yeah. run the clock down right. and the Raiders, they have six points going into halftime. Right, but because they awarded a touchdown on that play, the Raiders had like a minute and forty seconds to go down and score. They went down and scored their only touchdown right. in the first half. So, like, yes, it was a bad call. I don't think that the score was truthfully impacted by that play. Like, I think a it would have been a touchdown without a whistle being blown, and b the Raiders might not have had a chance to score if they had, you know, said, "Hey, it was a dead play. We're going right. to restart this, and the Bengals get a couple more snaps off here and run the clock down even more." But to have that much of a screw up in a playoff game is horrible. Well, in the next day, I don't think they, I don't think they basically yesterday said they won't referee. What, what was the it Adam Schefter like had a report that said that they are unlikely, unlikely to, to, to call any more games, right. which I'd hope so. Well, <laughs> eh, give exactly. them the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Maybe that's what they said. Yeah, you bring just, them out to Vegas. That'll end well. You guys just rest. <laughs> Bring him to Vegas for the Pro Bowl. All right. Coming up next, we're going to stick here with the Raiders, but jump into the play of Derek Carr. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. All right, Ed. You think Derek Carr played well? I know he had some stats, but I don't know how 
you can say a guy plays well when you're one and five in the red zone and one and six when you get inside the 30. So you're the quarterback. I know it's not you know all on you when those things happen, but you're kind of judged on how you do in the red zone, how many touchdowns you produce. So I'm going to say overall, because of that, he did not play well. He completed four of 17 passes in the red zone. Yeah. Uh, Josh Dubow tweeted out that in goal-to-go scenarios, uh, he was one of seven for three yards with a zero passer rating. First player since first player since at least 1991 to have a zero passer rating when throwing at least four passes in goal-to-go scenarios. I feel better to say he didn't play well. Um, <laughs> here's here's There's a couple issues. Number one, Derek Carr had two turnovers in this game. Raiders lost a game by a touchdown, and the quarterback had two turnovers. We can probably give him a little bit of a break on the fumble uh, because Trey Hendrickson got a free rush at Foster Moreau and got to hit Derek Carr blindside. Now, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe he should be in charge of the protection and know, hey, maybe Foster Moreau shouldn't get a one-on-one with their best edge rusher. But uh, this was another case where the Derek Carr and the offense continually were bailed out by the defense. The defense held the Bengals in the red zone like four times in that game. And if they don't do that, that game's a blowout. Like that game very easily could have been 21 to three in the first quarter. And Derek Carr and the offense have nothing, no chance to come back at that. But because the defense was good enough, the Raiders, again, just like the last four weeks of the season, had a chance to win that or at least tie that game on the final drive. And they couldn't do it. And the final play of the game, the final play of the season for the Raiders, fourth and goal, chance to tie the game. Derek Carr threw it short of the goal line by two yards into double coverage. Yeah. To Zay Jones. What the hell? Like, the wrong, like, if you're going to force it into a guy, force it into one of the good players on the team, like Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro. Don't throw it short of the goal line on fourth and goal. And he was under no pressure. There was, he did not, this wasn't a throw because he was about to get hit and it was, oh, I got to give somebody a chance. He could have waited. He could have taken another second, two seconds. He could have moved around. Like, that's a terrible final play. Absolutely awful. And this is where Greg Olson probably deserves some blame too. The final play, fourth and goal, Hunter Renfro ran a two-yard out route. Hunter Renfro was seven yards from the goal line on the final offensive snap of the game for the Raiders. Darren Waller ran the same route. Now, he actually started to cut it up towards the end zone because he probably realized, well, this is stupid. So... <laughs> Who called that play? And uh, like, I have to believe Greg Olson called the play. I imagine Greg Olson called it. I think Carr deserves some blame, too, for not saying, hold on, that's stupid. Like, uh, you're telling me my best two receivers are going to be seven yards from the end zone when I throw this? Like, that is a complete failure on one play. And it's probably not fair to boil an entire game down to one play. But that one play was horrific. That was awful. Terrible. And you throw in the fact here, Raiders down 10, in the fourth quarter, they got two drives, right? Do not score a touchdown on either one because they kicked a field goal on the previous one because Darren Waller was open, probably scores a touchdown on third and goal, and Derek Carr threw it off a defensive lineman's helmet. Didn't get tipped by fingertips. He threw it off the guy's helmet. That's not good enough. Waller had a like a walk-in touchdown, and Carr threw it off the guy's helmet. Derek Carr, he failed in the biggest moment. Yep. Like after an entire month of, hey, Carr kind of sucks, but we got him the ball down three in the final minute. And he brought him all the way he down. He won the game for us. He sucked in the final closing minutes of this game. like that, And that's 
what mattered here is Derek Carr, they could have had two touchdown drives and won the game in regulation, but they settled for a field goal because he hit a defensive lineman in the helmet and they just, they failed in goal to go situation on that final drive. Yeah. Are we going to, I think we're going to talk about it later, but we're going to talk about the spike on the first down because yeah. Why, why spike it? I think that's a joke. You know, there's a there's a phrase, and we talked about this after the show. There's a phrase when you go, you know, handoff or draw and third and thirty, and it's just a total give up play. I can't believe you gave up on one down. Yeah. I, I, you have to take every advantage of every play you have to try to score there and 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 tie that game. And you just gave up on a play. I don't. I didn't get that. They were I, at I the line that. of scrimmage with about thirty three seconds left, and he spikes it. And Carr even at thirty three seconds took a step back and signaled something to his receivers. I don't know what the hell he was telling them, but he signaled something to his receivers and they spike it with 29 seconds left and effectively said, we're giving ourselves yeah. three plays in three instead of four instead of four. And what did they, uh, the fourth down pass was incomplete with like 11 seconds left. So this is, you know, hindsight obviously, but they could have run 10 seconds off the clock, calling a play at the line of yes. scrimmage on first down and still would have gotten in four plays. That was horrible. But they spiked it because there was 30 seconds left. Josh Dubow, by the way, another fun stat from him. That's the earliest a team has spiked it in a goal-to-go scenario. Nobody has spiked seconds? it with 30 seconds no. left in a goal-to-go scenario. So you got to run a play there. You they, have four they shots. took away their chance. Now I, now, I will say, the reason the spike is a big deal is because they failed on the next three plays. Like if they score a touchdown on well, third yeah. down, we don't we don't care. No, you don't talk about it. But, but it was a didn't. mistake. Yes, it was a mistake, and they took away the one. You gave up on a play. Yeah. I don't I don't get that. I didn't understand that at all. They should have had one more play to throw yeah. a touchdown, and I trust that Derek Carr had it not been fourth down, wouldn't have thrown it into double coverage to Zay Jones. Two yards, tr- two yards short of where you need to go to tie the game on the last down of the play. You I go, trust that down the game. You if have. that had been third down, he would have at least thrown it away. Like there, it wouldn't have been oh. Zay Jones, baby, double covered. Let's pump it in there. How do they not have a play where it's just like Brian Edwards and Darren Waller jump up high in the back well, of the end zone? Why didn't and, exactly? Why didn't you run that on first down? And you know, one guy, either your guy's going to get it or no one's going to get it. But to just spike the ball was, I thought, was a horrible, horrible decision. You have four, you have four downs to get this thing tied, and you gave him one just by handing it to him. I don't. I, I we're sitting in the press box, and Adam got. Adam got most mad at it, but we're both like shaking our head, going, oh, "What? What was the point of right. that?" There's plenty of time. I mean, yeah, it wasn't. You know, if the clock's down to six seconds, well, that's one thing, and then spike you spike the ball, it and then, and then you have one time yeah, to call the, one the play. smart play. But thirty seconds is is so much time. Like again, you could have killed off easily four and or five seconds to just 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 look at Darren Waller and say, "Run to the end yeah. zone, man!" Like, doesn't that jump to, <laughs> high? Doesn't that have to be Olsen as well? Yeah, There's I think, no way oh, yeah. Carr's calling that. Well, okay, and this is this is where I think the conversation... Okay, Greg Olson, I assume, is the one that's telling them to spike the ball. I would assume, right? yeah. Without knowing, I, I'm assuming that's Greg Olson that's telling them. But I would like to think Derek Carr in his eighth year knows better. Like, I would like to think Derek Carr in his eighth year not only knows better, but has the authority to say, no, we we're running a play. play. Yeah. Like, I'd like to think... So I think both of them deserve a lot of brain. I don't think either one's clear, but... Greg Olson's on the sideline. He should know better because you're not in the moment playing. You're on the sideline, and you should be like, oh, 30. You should have a cooler head. Let's run a play. Yeah. Also, you should have some sort of system in place where, okay, if the clock's running, we get a first down, we got to get up and go. This is what route you guys need to run. 
I'd imagine, or hell, just let Hunter Renfro run in circles for five seconds, and eventually he'll come open and throw it to him. I just that was a complete a complete failure for the Raiders in, in a goal to go scenario in that instance, and pretty much the entirety of the game. They were not good in the red zone, no. and that's what they were all what they were the entire season, and what they've been. It's not the John Gruden era anymore, but what they were the entire John Gruden era. Not good in the red zone. Plus this year, not good, not good enough. Coming up next. Sam Gordon joins the show. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Sam Gordon. Sam, you believe Derek Carr when he says he loves that crew? Uh, the officiating crew? Yes. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> that was um, one of the most egregiously officiated playoff games, I think, in recent memory, um, especially with the, the inadvertent whistle thing, right? I mean, that literally gifted the Bengals seven points. They should have had that run that play again. And then the explanation that you get after the game, that the crew pretty much said the whistle came after the touchdown, which just flat out wasn't true. Um, that was as bad as it gets. So they, they bungled. Uh, I mean, they, the crews around the NFL bungled stuff all weekend, but there was none, but none worse than, than what happened in that game. Um, not necessarily the reason the Raiders lost the game, but it didn't help. It definitely didn't help. Uh, they should have had to run that play over, and, and there was a number of issues in that game. But that was, that was definitely one of them. No, I do not believe um, Derek Carr. Not anymore. Not not after what happened, what that crew did to them on uh, on Saturday. <laughs> would Would you rather it be just evaluate entire crews and have the same crew uh, do a playoff game than this situation where they evaluate each uh, man and woman, they give them points, and then they say, okay, you go get that game. So it's all different people on a crew, and they've never worked together. Yeah, yeah, I think they should keep the whole thing, you know, kind of together, um, right? So that there's some kind of chemistry and some kind of understanding, some kind of working relationship uh, between the officials. Just There's just too much discussion, too much discourse. There were situations, the stoppages in play. I mean, Ed, you were there. It felt like there were stoppages in play that lasted way too long um, and whatnot. And, and, yeah, I think one crew should, you know, be wet detached working working together the entire season, and, and, and you go from there And in order to ensure – um, maximum chemistry. It's just an absolute disaster all the way around um, in that game, especially on that one play. So I think, yeah, the, the more camaraderie or more chemistry one crew has together, um, the better for moments like this. Because, yes, um, you know, there's a full game slate of NFL games throughout the course of the season, but you want your best crews working in the playoffs, and that clearly didn't seem to be the case uh, on Saturday or this weekend in general. The Raiders made the playoffs, and I don't think anybody's going to deny that it was a successful season given that. But does it make it a little bit less successful or at least hurt a little bit more when you're reviewing it, given that they lost a playoff game that was winnable? Like, they didn't lose by 30. They lost by a touchdown, and they nearly tied it at the end. Does that make it sort of harder to accept it as a successful season? Um, I think so to a degree. Uh, I mean, like you said, Tyler, the trajectory, I don't think anybody can argue with uh, with it, especially based on what the team um, endured this season and where they were at last year. I think, you know, the expectations before the year, as Mike Mayock said, was a playoff team, and they made the playoffs. Uh, but that game was right there for the taking, like you said. I mean, Cincinnati uh, has an incredible young quarterback in Joe Burrow, who I think is a rising superstar in this league. I'm sure we all agree there. They have great receivers and whatnot. But it's not like it's not exactly like they're, you know, a dominant team. I, I think they're probably the, the worst team left in the postseason when you break down the field. It doesn't mean they're not capable of winning at Tennessee, but – um, like you said, the Raiders were right there, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of why they lost, I think, was, you know, for self-inflicted reasons. The the the, the myriad of penalties, the untimely penalties, the penalties across the offensive line, right? Like those are the kind of mistakes 
you know, that they made in the regular season against Cincinnati that cost them that game. That was another, it was also very close. And then you go into the playoffs and you make those same mistakes and you make those same mistakes in key spots. So, yeah, I think there, you know, there is, um, you know, probably part of, part of, uh, the, 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 when you look at this game from the Raiders' perspective, it probably is you know part of a, a sense that it's like, hey, you know they they could they could have got that one done. But um, all things considered, especially like you said, contextually with what they dealt with this year, still still a success is just I don't think they max quite maximized their potential based on the playoff draw. I mean they could they could easily still be playing and you know one a playoff win a road playoff win making the divisional round would certainly have made the season uh, a lot more successful. And I think you know it's pretty clear, right? The the, the players. Have, have vocalized their love and support for Rich Passaccia. I know they would have want, wanted to win this game for him because I think it would have made would have made Mark Davis's decision um, that much tougher, right? Follow me on Twitter by Sam Gordon and Sam Gordon from the Review Journal here with us in the press box. Let's stay with that for a second. You listened to Hunter Renfro yesterday, and when you hear things like whoever they bring in, sort of tells you what's been on the table. Uh, whether Passaccia has told them or not, will uh, one way or the other. We'll probably know today when he speaks to the media. Um, no chance here. Is it, there's no chance that they would bring him back, right? Yeah, I'd be I'd be really surprised um, at, at this point. I, I think he he essentially needed to at least uh, win win the playoff game to to make things um, a, a conversation. And at, at just at this juncture, which is based on kind of the rumblings that we've heard, I get the sense that they're going to go in another direction, which is a tough break for for Spasaccia, right? What else are you supposed to do? I mean, again, that game was winnable on, on Saturday. Um, but the way he navigated the season, the way he navigated the, the, the players in that locker room from a leadership standpoint, keeping that group united. Again, we've heard testimony from pretty much all the leaders in that locker room, all the veterans, very, very candid endorsements of him getting the job full time. But, but based on just kind of what, how it unfolded, I don't think it'll be quite enough. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate uh, for him, given the job that he did. I mean, again, he, he delivered on what the, the expectation was. First interim coach to ever make the playoffs. He got it done. They got it done. They rallied around him, and, and unfortunately for him, I think um, it's just it's just not going to be um, enough. Especially, you know, if I mean Jim Harbaugh is the name we heard. If if that really is, if he really is in play, uh, I, I think that's pretty hard to argue if, if they if they opt to go that that direction because of his track record and his success. So it was an, it was a heck of a run for Rich Bisaccia, Um but but like you know, like Tyler mentioned, I mean, there was a, a winnable playoff game right there on the table, and um, they didn't get it done. And, and that, I think, would have gone a long way in bolstering his chances. And now it's pretty sensible or pretty understandable if, if Mark Davis wants to go in another direction. Do you believe Mark Davis, the guy who hired John Gruden not too long ago, do you believe he thinks he needs like a big-name head coach like Harbaugh, or do you think he would actually go the route of sort of unknown, maybe unknown to casual people, not necessarily to football people, but less popular like offensive coordinator of a certain team? I mean, I think if he had to, but I think the first move is going to be to make a make kind of a, a splashy hire, go after a big name. I think, right? Where you see what just happened with the with the Aces going after Becky Hammond, that's just pretty much as big of a name um, in WNBA circles as you could possibly have. I think he's going to definitely um, try to make that make that move. I don't think the Harbaugh thing. I think when there's where there's smoke, there's fire. Right now, I don't know. Does that mean they're going to hire Jim Harbaugh? I'm not necessarily sure, but I do think that there's. The sense I do get is that there's some mutual interest there, and, and he's a huge name that would make a huge splash. And he has a major track record. I mean, three consecutive NFC Championship games, a Super Bowl appearance. So if, if he's the guy, um, that's totally understanding um, uh, or understandable. Um, now, with that said, if you talk, you know, you mentioned a coordinator or whatnot. I think Rich Passaccia has done has done more um, 
you know, to audition than any of any any anybody that that hasn't been a head coach yet. I mean, he's proven that he can he can manage a locker room. He can he can do the things necessary to keep a group together from a leadership standpoint. So if it is a coordinator or somebody like that, somebody that doesn't have the head coaching experience um, at the professional or at the at the very least at the college level. Um, I think it'd be, you know, it'd be a, a little bit harder to explain to the fan base. But if they go after a big name and are able to reel them in, um, that, which, is, which is what I, I do expect, I do think that's kind of his MO and, and the way he's going to want to go um, once this process plays out. Does Mike Mayock deserve to continue on as a GM? And or are, um, we, are we looking back and saying, you know what, maybe he deserves a shot because Gruden was making all the decisions anyway. Let's see what he has to do when he's running the show. Yeah, I would, I would go. I think that's. I think that's a kind of a good way to assess the situation. That we know Mike Mayock was a you know an essential part of, of doing a lot of the scouting and the evaluating, but it was that Gruden had the final um, personnel say uh, when when it came to this roster. So I, I would like to see what Mayock um, could do in his own right. And and that tandem, right? We we know that. Yeah, there there was some whiffs. There definitely were some whiffs, but there was also some great picks, some great draft picks. Um, and then in the later rounds, even this year, Divine Diablo looks like he can play. Nate Hobbs is obviously a steal. Um, Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, we can go on and on about some of the guys that they hit on and some of the quality uh, moves that they made in free agency. So, yeah, maybe if maybe if he got the gig full-time and was able to kind of steer his own ship and not have to answer to Gruden and all, um, that, that he would do a better job. I think he's done enough, and I think the team on this trajectory the team has been on where they 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 did make the playoffs this year, and he was obviously a part of uh, building that roster. I think that warrants a, a second look. But I also would understand if they, if you just want to distance himself from this whole. If, if you're Davis, you want to kind of distance yourself um, from this entire era. You, you you kind of have to to part ways from Mike Mayock. So it's a, it's an interesting. It's kind of an interesting um, situation there, and especially at the GM. I think that's kind of the, you know probably the harder evaluation to make. But in my opinion. I wouldn't be opposed to, to Mayock um, getting a getting a look at this to see what he can do um, without Gruden. There's, I think, there's enough success there that this team has enough kind of potential for for him to warrant a, a look at the job um, at least for a couple more years. You think UNLV is ever going to beat a good team? <laughs> oh, geez, I think eventually they'll they'll, they'll get one of these games, but um, these games against the good teams seem to play out the exact same way. They can't, they just can't score enough early on in the game and are, are having to scramble um, late and, and good teams with good personnel um, that are well coached have seemed to employ the same game plan, right? Just kind of ignore anybody that's off the ball for UNLV, load up, protect the paint and make them make shots. And that's been the weakness all year. There's not enough shooting um, on this roster to really maximize the offensive style that, that Kevin Kruger wants to play. Again, I think they're, they're good enough defensively. I think where they'll, They'll figure out a way to to, to, to to win one of these games, but it, it hasn't. We haven't seen it this year, right, Tyler? You referenced the number all year, nine and zero against teams ranked outside of the hundred and the top hundred in Kempom, Kempom, and, and winless against the teams um, that are in the top hundred. So uh, they're going to have to eventually win one of these games. I, I do think they will, but it's been the exact same formula uh, against the good teams and uh, loss after loss after loss. So so we'll see how it shakes out, but it's it has to be disappointing for the Rebels that these games are on the table. The Fresno State game, on the table. The game against San Diego State, it's on the table. These are competitive games where they're not necessarily um, outmatched, per, per se, but they are out-executed, and um, the, the offense, the, the scoring continues to be a, a real problem against teams that are good and that have good game plans. Well, he is Sam Gordon from the Review Journal. Sam, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Sam.
Uh, thanks, guys. Anytime. Have a great week. Take care. You too. So there is Sam Gordon. We are probably going to spend an entire week talking about the Raiders head coaching position. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it, uh, well, they have to interview, they have to interview multiple people. They have to adhere to the Rooney rule. They have to probably, I would assume, Basachi gets an interview, which he should. I agree he should, what he did. And then you have the big names. You have a Harbaugh. You know, how much is he in play? A lot of people think behind the scenes that Harbaugh's really in play here and that he would he would take the job. I mean, we had last week the story where he's actually telling recruits if there's an NFL opportunity, you know, I have to look at it. Yeah. I mean, that's as honest no, no, as telling, a head coach. Telling is, recruits pastors. To, well, telling recruits pastors <laughs> who then pass the information on. Um, but that's as telling as a college coach is ever going to be when it comes to I might leave when you're trying to recruit a kid. Do we think that like TMZ paid the priest or the sorry the pastor for that information? No, it was um, it was a recruiting website. Okay. It wasn't even TMZ. I, what was it? It was on three dot com, which is a recruiting website. Do you think they slid a, like a little bit in the collection <laughs> flight and be like, "All right, tell us about the recruit." What Harbaugh say to you? All right, coming up next, we're going to stick right here. Get more into the Raiders. We're back to the press box with Grainy and Bischoff. <laughs> Not as good as asking him what his New Year's resolution. is. I was going to say that, that that was the best question. Never mind, are you going to coach next year? <laughs> but at least he gave an coach answer until to that he's one. done. Man. Okay, but that was a 17-second clip, and his answer was less than one yeah. second of it. I'd it say that's accurate. What else would that nut job do? There's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, would you have him on TV? Oh my kind of, God, him? Be, be kind of funny. What if? What if he like when he retires and he's 70? He's really good on TV. I mean, like he's joking around, like he's yeah. Jimmy Johnson. That would be great. I could see Nick Saban being good at TV. I don't know <laughs> if I could see Bill Belichick being good at TV. I don't know if either would be good. I just think it'd be funny with like one word answers. Everyone else like t- tries to prove what an expert they are with long, long winded answers, and he would just say yes. <laughs> I, I'd just cover the tight end. Yeah, cover the tight end. He'd be perfect for when they're making picks at the end of the show. They're running out of time, and oh, everybody's yeah. like. Well, I think it's the 49ers, and they want to give a 30-minute long right. answer. He'd just be like 49ers. 49ers. And be good. He'd be perfect for keeping everything on time. All right. I do want to stick with the Raiders. What are the thing to figure out here? How much blame do we put on the coaching staff or the players or whatever for wasting timeouts before the end of the game? I think I think in those situations, you put most of the blame on Rich Bisaccia. So we had two second-half effectively wasted timeouts. We had the one that negated the 20-something yard catch by Jamar Chase plus the roughing the passer that the Raiders called because they had 12 men on the field. And then we also had on the final drive, or excuse me, on the second-to-last drive by the Raiders, the third and five inside the red zone, Derek Carr called a timeout to avoid a delay of game. Another delay of game. That's the one that's fascinating to me. Because what was going on in this game where it seemed like the Raiders were taking every snap under five seconds on the play clock. Like it seemed like they were in a panicked hurry with five seconds on the play clock every time. Like what, what was happening there? I don't, I don't understand like why every snap was, Oh my God, there's five seconds left. He's still trying to tell Zay Jones what the play is. Right. Oh, we got to snap it now. Like how did that happen so much? And then effectively cost them a timeout late in the game. Well, and how did it happen that late in the season? Right, yeah. I mean, you by then you should be pretty much set in in terms of what's supposed to happen. You know, I said Bisaccia, and maybe this is preparedness and coaching, but the 12 men on the field, the false starts, um, 
all of that stuff that goes to the players too. You you know you don't you know you're supposed to be on the field or not? Right. It's a it's it's a sloppy. It was a sloppy game by the yeah. Raiders, and it was a sloppy season by the Raiders. I mean that not not really none of what we saw yesterday was new. Like what we saw the Raiders do yesterday, that wasn't like uncharacteristic. Oh, the Raiders never do that. Like that was the Raiders this year. They lost their kicker at one point this year. <laughs> <laughs> that is this team. So I. They misplaced someone. A like, pretty important guy. I do think it's a like lot of it. Like their leading scorer. I do think a lot of it you can blame on the players. But then a lot of that is if this team has better coaching or whatever, some of that doesn't happen, right? I mean, right. 12 guys on the That's field. That's what I'm saying. I blame better coaching and can... players, but is it coaching and preparedness right. that they should know better what to do and what not to do? I think one of my my favorite things, and this is totally taking like a three-second clip from a TV broadcast, I, I think it was that third and five timeout. Derek Carr walks over to the sideline, and he had to go get Greg Olson. Like, like they called a timeout, and Greg Olson wasn't coming to talk to Derek Carr. Derek Carr had to go get him and be like, hey, man, come here. We, we got to talk about what's happening. Like, And again, that's like a three- or four-second clip that right. I'm watching on a right. TV broadcast, so don't put too much into it. But it was like, what? Where's Greg Olson going during a timeout while the offense is on the field? Ooh, like, timeout, Gatorade time. Like, is he going to talk to the fullback? Like, what are they doing there? It was. It's just there were so many times this year. Yes, they made the playoffs. Yes, it was a overall successful season. But there were so many times this year, and it showed up the most in the playoff game where it looked like a team was being coached by an interim head right, coach. Exactly. Like, yes, that was very yes. clear often. Yes. This year. And it showed up in the playoffs. It showed up in the biggest moments of the playoffs where you're spiking the ball on that first down when you shouldn't be, where you're having to call a timeout on third and goal because somehow you let the play clock run down to two seconds or something and you don't have to play. And like, there were so many times that it, it looked like this team was coached by an interim well, head And coach. all the false starts and the pre-snap penalties and right. all of that in this game, uh, they, they had three holding calls on one drive by three different people. <laughs> That's did almost it, impossible. The, all five offensive linemen got flagged for something yes. in the oh, game, yeah. right? Yeah. All five of them yes. did. They so all got flagged for something. That's yeah. I mean, that's where they're terrible. That's where that's what the Raiders were this year. And it's it's by the way, it's amazing they made the playoffs because of right. it. It's amazing they did that. But that's kind of who they were. And that I think is a sign that you probably need to go in a different direction than Basaccia.